Welcome to episode 387 of the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. And I'm your host, Denise Oyston. And today we've got a little treat for you. This is a recording from one of our monthly training events that we run in Superfast Circle. And this took place literally about a year ago. It is a very relevant topic for now. And this is a much longer podcast. So basically what we've done is we've given you the audio version of the actual presentation. Obviously, there was quite a few visuals and different data and figures that people could look at. And we just thought you might like a taster of uh, some of the training that we do. Now, this particular training is called Fantastic Follow-Up 3.0 because we'd run it once before. And one of the things about generating leads and moving a business forward is it really is all in the follow-up. For those of you that have been on uh, other webinars of ours, and uh, maybe for some of you who are experiencing Recruitment Marketing Week this week, then you will see that we've shared a lot of data about how people just don't follow up. And that I think in today's distracted word, uh, world, follow-up needs to be even more important than ever. So what we've got here, we've got a recording. Uh, we'll go into it now. Um, Sharon will be going through how to follow up, giving you different ideas on what to do, some of the things that are working now. And I hope you enjoy it, and I'm sure you will. And importantly, put some of these uh, ideas into practice. So this is Denise, and I'm going to hand over to Sharon now, saying bye for now, and I'll see you next week. Welcome to the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. An obsessive focus on marketing and sales is the only way to accelerate your company growth. So listen in now as we share the latest strategies and techniques guaranteed to deliver you more placements and profits. I think, Laura, we we had a chat with yourself about that recently. Rebecca, I think it's something that we've spoken about with yourself as well. And, And also... The reality is that how we are marketing, how we're selling to people, there obviously have been changes in the last couple of years. And so I thought it was worth refreshing this and just looking at where are we now and what do we need to do in terms of follow-up? Because follow-up is, as you are about to see, it's an interesting topic. and, And I think it's one that often gets overlooked and probably we we do it a disservice. And also it is a key area where marketing and sales can really come together. And I know for the marketeers who are on the call and that will be listening in afterwards, but sometimes it's not always easy getting those two teams to really collaborate and work really closely. And this is a fantastic opportunity to, to do that. So let's Let's get started onto the topic of today. So I am going to break this topic down into a few areas. First one is that I want to make that distinction between marketing follow-up and sales follow-up, because I think sometimes people think it's one of the same, and there are some subtle distinctions that I think is important to make because that influences how these two teams can collaborate to get the best results for the business. I'm going to share some some facts and figures, and these are some updated facts and figures as well compared to perhaps some historical data that you will have seen about sales follow-up. And we're going to talk as well about why. Why is sales follow-up so poor? Because some of the stats that you'll see, I think some will be reminders and some probably will open your eyes as well. The good news is there's so much that we can do to improve and get better at this. So I am going to share with you a follow-up process. Now, this is something that I've mapped out over six months and it can easily be extended out to a whole year of follow-up. So you will get the idea from, from the process. Let's just, I guess, start though by revisiting 
the recruitment marketing and sales blueprint roadmap, really, should I say roadmap? Because obviously we spend a lot of our time talking about marketing and we are going to talk about marketing. And I guess the focus, though, of the conversation is we're moving into steps eight and nine. However, with everything that takes place up to that point, there is a great opportunity to really leverage what happens here in order to get the conversions that you are looking for. So this is not something that is outside the scope of our regular conversation. It absolutely enhances it. So I just thought it was worth highlighting that. So what do we mean by follow-up then? So a definition, because we always like to start with good old definitions here, something that continues or completes a process or activity. So imagine one of the team, perhaps yourself, sometimes you have a conversation with somebody and there is a call to action at the end, some kind of commitment. It, It might be as simple as you will drop them an email follow up with some information. You agree another time for a call whatever that conversation is. Now, that follow-up action needs to get completed. And often that can get left hanging. Maybe somebody doesn't make the call, the meeting, they cancel, they don't get the email, you forget to drop an email. There's a whole variety of reasons. And so things are left hanging. Now, Often we can we remember, we might write it down, hopefully on a to-do list and all the actions in a CRM system and that, that gets flagged that the action's not completed. But often that action remains hanging and uncompleted. And so this conversation is about making sure that we complete and set a consistent flow of follow-up actions so that we, we can actually succeed in bringing this candidate or this client on board. So it's about having a good process for this as well. Now, there are some subtle distinctions that I just want to clear up at the beginning. So when we talk about marketing, you will be super familiar with, obviously, sales and marketing funnel. Yeah. So we've got people that are completely unaware of your company. And you and your marketing person, if you have them or your marketing team, or if you're doing this yourself, your outcome is to get on to clients, prospective clients and candidates' radars, bring them into your sales funnel and move them through that journey of being unaware to sort of suddenly being aware, getting into some kind of tic-tac conversation, maybe on social media, maybe through email, getting them on the phone, having a dialogue or getting on a Zoom or a team, whatever it is these days. And you then bring that candidate on board, bring that client on board, and you build and nurture that relationship. And that has mutual benefit for both parties and hopefully then become a referral party for you. But we've got that whole process and you have got huge amounts of resources and lots of different activities that you are implementing that takes a prospect and a candidate through that journey to the point of having that dialogue and that very first conversation. Now, that's marketing follow-up. So you can use all your automation, you can use social media, et cetera, lots of other offline activities as well in that nurturing process. So where does sales follow-up fit in to that? Well, let's kind of look at this particular stage here where you have that first conversation. Now, up to that point, let's say, marketing has very much been a group thing. I know I've got a few people sat around the table here, but you know, you could have a slide with absolutely thousands of people on it because marketing follow-up is when you are doing activities out to a wide audience. Now, it could be, you might say, well, that's fine, Sharon, but you know, but I email people. Is that not one-to-one? Well, you might drop an email, but when you think about automation, We are doing one email, but we're communicating that message and that email out to many. So simple way of thinking about this is marketing follow-up is one to many, okay? 
Sales follow-up, though, is when we get to this point where you are, you or the consultant, you're having that one-to-one conversation. And then it's about what happens post that one-to-one conversation for that consultant. Now, this is the very first conversation, though. Let, let me add that. And it might be that after that first conversation, that individual, well, let's say they're not interested at that point. They, they don't have a need. The timing's not quite right, but you've had a fruitful conversation. Well, it, you can think about, well, what, what kind of process do you take that person on? Because they, they might not be ready. They might be engaged with you. They might see value. They, they recognize that they will have a need in a few months' time, but that's not today. So you want to have a process where you can absolutely follow up that person so that when they are ready, you are front of mind. Now, it might be, obviously, that that person can slip into an automated nurture client or candidate funnel that you've got, obviously tap that you're tapping into as part of the circle, that you can put that person into that campaign. And there are other things you can do to complement that. And we'll, we'll come back to that later. So that's, that's the subtle distinction then. Think marketing, that's going out to groups. Today, what I really want to focus on is this what happens one-on-one and how as a, as a marketeer, if you're a marketeer, how do you support your consultants to do that? If you're independent, what resources have you got access to as part of the circle membership that you know is your marketing that supports you in this follow-up process? So anybody got any questions on that before I I can like move on. Pop, pop any questions in the Q&A box today as, as I'm going through. I'll keep, I'll keep pausing and just checking, but please just pop your questions in there and, and we, can, we can answer them as we go, shall we say. So we know what the distinction is. The other thing I think that's worth mentioning is the buying process today, 2022, has evolved. As things get, as organizations get somewhat more complex, we ourselves, because we hear you talking about it, that there are more stakeholders at the table. Now, obviously, the number of stakeholders depends on the complexity of the purchase. So we're not talking here about buying a piece of software that's going to get installed across the whole organization by a SaaS team that's going to be six to seven figures. We're not talking about that. That is what I would think of as a a complex purchase. And in in that case, you you definitely haven't got more stakeholders. Let's talk SMEs, though. That, That could be small and it could be larger. And of course, that will differ again. You could have everything from one stakeholder to perhaps maybe four depends on the size of business that that you're working with, but it could be anything from one to four stakeholders that you are dealing with in that process. And in, let's say if you're getting involved in retained or it could be RPO, those kind of bigger contracts, then potentially you are going to be talking and dealing with more stakeholders particularly corporates. Some of you do work with corporates. So it's just be mindful that you have got more people that are contributing towards the decision. And it's likely that you are not in touch with all the people who are sat at the table making that decision. But it's just something for us to have in mind as we consider what's coming next. So I wanted to share some stats with you from a couple of perspectives. Okay, and honestly, you can go and Google sales stats, sales follow-up stats, sales referral stats. You could put huge amounts of different kinds of sales stats with whatever you want to add on the end into Google. And I tell you, you could spend a fair few nights going through masses of data because there is just huge amounts. What I have done is I've pulled out some key things that... I think it's worth considering. And this is from the perspective of leads. So we could think client, we can think candidate here. So 65% of businesses 
who are investing in your marketing and sales do not follow up a lead that they have paid to get. Now, you might think, well, I don't do paid advertising, Sharon. I get that. And when you think about it, though, resources, whether that's setting up an email campaign, it costs to write that campaign. It costs to deliver that automation. It costs to set it up. So you might not be doing pay-per-click and paid advertising, but with, with everything that's been invested in whatever activity it is, you are paying a proportion for each single lead that you get in response to whatever that activity is. So we can still consider that this is absolutely valid. 73% of business-to-business leads are not sales ready. What do I mean by that? So when you think about the, the funnel of people going from unaware to being aware to then moving to the engage piece, they might be ready to engage with you, but they're not ready to have a dialogue. And if they are open to having a dialogue, they're not ready to work with you. So it means that three quarters of the people that you know we may well having some kind of interaction with, that they are not at a point where they're ready to buy. So we need, we need to do something until they are ready to buy. Let's go down to qualified leads. So you you can have a whole bunch of leads, but are they the right leads for you? And even when you look at leads that get qualified, still half of them are still not ready to buy, even when you might have a good conversation with them or the consultant does and you qualify that, yeah, absolutely, that is your avatar. That's your absolute ideal avatar. They could still not be ready. So what do do we do until they are ready? And get this one, 79% of all leads never convert. And that's because they're not nurtured. Because something is happening for four out of five of every single lead that potentially could come into your business. We never get a chance to convert. They're just lost, which... When you think about all the work that you are doing to bring these leads in, that can be a little bit disheartening. Now, I have shared, just in case those are any, anybody who loves data, I have shared at the end of the presentation some of the references, well, the main references that, that I've used. So don't worry, that there, there are references there. Now, let's have a look at a few more. When, when it comes to salespeople, following these up. Now, bear in mind that this is not recruitment industry-specific data. This is general data for sales organizations. Some of this data is American-based. I've stayed away away, purposefully in a way from just focusing too much on cold calling because the Americans are massively into that. There's different views on that. Cold calling absolutely works when it's done well. But I thought it was worth looking at other aspects of sort of follow-up as well. Of course, cold calling isn't going to be cold if you're following somebody up. But let's look at the percentage of salespeople who give up after X number of calls. So 44% of people just stop after they get a no. So they make that first call. Maybe somebody's downloaded something, they follow that up, they make that first call and and it's a no. Maybe it's, it's as simple as following up an open email and the person says no. And so that is it. It's like on to the next. There's no point spending any energy on that one. Let's just move on. Well, that's there's a question mark over that, isn't it? This will be a good reminder for, for many of you and maybe some of you haven't seen this data for, for quite some time. 22% of people stop after two no's and it, it goes down and down. So the reality is that there are very few people, as in salespeople, who, who keep going. So only 12% of salespeople will carry on when they've had four no's, okay? And we'll, we'll, we'll get some insight into what's behind that in a second as well. Now, let, let's think about email, okay? So that, so that might be calls, but let's look at email. A lot of people will use email rather than, rather than phone. Even though this is a people industry, there are a lot of beliefs 
and limiting beliefs around picking up the phone. But even when people revert to email, which might feel more comfortable and easier, 70%, so well over two thirds of people will only drop one email. And something that Denise and I've noticed is, I'm just going to take a quick drink, is when, when we're talking to, certainly when I'm talking to prospects, let's say, and I ask them about what marketing activities are they doing? And they talk about email. Well, we do, we do, we do an email campaign every week. And often the response might be that it's not working. And so I will ask, well, when you say you're doing an email campaign every week, what do you mean by a campaign? How many emails are you sending in a campaign? Is that you're your starting a new nurture campaign, of course, is in, in my head, isn't it? You're starting a new campaign with a, a batch of people, but no, 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 they don't mean that. What they mean is they're sending an email. Now, that could be an email with a hot candidate or it could be a weekly email that's just like an update email, but it's one email and then they stop. It might be that a consultant reaches out to someone that they've spoken to. They've sent one email. The person doesn't respond. So it's like it's a big, huge strike. Well, there can be lots of assumptions that we're making around why people are not responding to a one-on-one -on -one email like that. But of course, if you're doing a campaign and your, your intention is to do a campaign, well, a campaign is it's a sequence of emails, isn't it? As we know, where you are nurturing people because the likelihood is people are not going to reply just to the very first email. So there is a 25% chance that you will get a, a response when you send more than one email. So already we are boosting our opportunity of getting that conversion or even getting a conversation that will allow us to move on to the next part of the process. Literally, if we just send a second or a third email. So well worth doing. What's next? Now, this is interesting. So many of you are using the reports in terms of people downloading the reports on your website. But let it, let's say that it's either a report or you've received an inquiry through the website, maybe through the chat, the chat facility on your website. Just generally think when there's an inbound inquiry, the faster people respond to that, it can make a huge difference to your ability to convert that, that lead. So where you can respond within an hour Research shows that you are 60 times more likely to qualify that lead and progress that conversation than someone who's had to wait a day. And I think that's always kind of like, that's always a really good reminder for, for myself as well. It's super easy. You, you might respond, we might respond to an in, inbound call straight away, but if that person's is not there, it's important to keep trying again within that hour or drop that email within that hour, at least to demonstrate that, that you responded. So it's a good reminder for me when, when I saw that one. 60% of customers say no more than four times. And remember, there's only 12% of, of salespeople that will follow up beyond four. So when you look at those two stats, that's, well, that's really just significant, isn't it? Because we know that it, it takes probably five, seven, depending on the research that you see, it can take 20 to 30 points of contact to convert a completely cold person. And it will certainly take you five, seven, maybe 12 plus contacts to convert somebody that perhaps you, you've been nurturing like this. Now, this is a really interesting one. And I think this is different to where we were literally just two years ago, because we know that social selling has grown so much and it was going to happen anyway, but the pandemic and the shift to online and the speed of that shift, I think has just accelerated how we, we are moving rapidly into this sort of social selling market as well. So 78% of salespeople that make use of social media outsell their peers. And social selling, when you specifically look at social selling and you're selling by chat, whether that's LinkedIn, Messenger, WhatsApp, et cetera, companies can increase their conversion rates 
by 5%, which might not sound a lot. However, if you, if you took what value of revenue that could add to your bottom line without generating extra leads, if you converted more of the leads that you had, you can, what could you add to your bottom line and what difference does that make to your profit? It's worth doing the figures, isn't it? But also, I thought this was interesting because it can increase the deal size by over a third. Now, okay, we don't talk in deal sizes, I suppose, do we? Because it's it's a fee and it might be one fee if you're placing one person or it could be multiple fees if you've been tasked with finding X number of roles. But the size, let, let's say you've got an opportunity to fill five roles and there are a couple of other jet agencies maybe that are working those roles as well. Your ability within the business to use chat as part of your sales process if that means that you get in there quicker, faster, you're able to convert because your follow-up process is that much slicker, that again in, in itself, by having better systems and processes in place, means your conversion rate is higher, then you can increase your revenue that much more without actually building in, sorry, generating more and more leads all the time. It's all right generating leads and having a a huge, nice, consistent flow of leads. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're following up those leads and converting as high a proportion of them as we can before we keep pouring more in. Because the more you pour in, if you've not got a process in place, then you kind of like throwing your money down the down the down the drain. So let, let's think about how we can follow these people up much more smartly. But it does pose a question, doesn't it, when you read some of these stats? And trust me, there is there's so many more. Why? Why are we so poor at following up when so much work has gone into getting the business onto our prospects radar? pulling them into a funnel, nurturing them through that funnel, getting to that point of having that first conversation, and then and then what happens? We lose so many of them. There's a few reasons why. The first one is that there aren't complete systems and processes in place in the business to follow people up, okay? And where there might be, there are occasions where perhaps team members are not are not trained to use those systems, but I'll, I'll come on to that. I think the other part is a lack of commitment to follow-up. I, I know from talking to business owners when they've been talking about team members, and, and I've also been inside businesses with, I guess, observing team members and, and things on, on different training projects that I've done as well where I hear the conversation and if somebody isn't biting at that first call, it it is almost like it's a strike and they're just on to the next one. And it's easier to move on to the next one than go back and revisit the one that maybe didn't respond to an email, didn't answer the phone, so they left a voice message. Some might even not leave a voice message. It's, It's harder to go back. And the reason why for many, not everybody, I hasten to add, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but one of the big reasons why people don't go back is fear of rejection. Even if they get hold of somebody and they have a conversation and it's that no, it's the first no, the fear of getting a second no, for many, it's just, it's not something that they want to face into because they take it so personally. And there is a belief that that rejection is rejecting them as a person. And that is just not the case. The no, and it's a no, it's not rejection. I think it's the individual that's on the receiving end of the no. They make that no mean that I am being rejected. And it's not. More often than not, that no is I don't have a need right now. I'm not ready for whatever reason. I might have a need, but I need to put other things in place before we can perhaps work with you as a business rather than the existing agencies that we're working with. Could be a whole raft of reasons. 
but the the common meaning as salespeople. And I I have been one of those salespeople, and I've had to do a lot of work on this on my on my mindset of it over the years. More so, I guess, since having our own business, because I am selling me, I'm selling Denise. And so it was easier to kind of like feel rejected. Whereas when I was in pharma and I was selling a pharmaceutical treatment for schizophrenia or angina or cardiovascular disease, I didn't feel they were rejecting me. It was the, it was the drug that was kind of like being rejected, let's say. But, you know, it, it's very easy to kind of like take that that no and make it mean that it's me that people are saying no to and it's not it's the service and it's the timing of it a lot of people don't want to be pushy the i i find it fascinating when i've been in training rooms with many many salespeople over the years and there might be a conversation about well what what do we do what's your role And when I ask that question, honestly, the answers that people come out with, and I say, well, fundamentally, actually, none of those answers are right, because the right answer is you're all salespeople. You are sales representatives in the, in recruitment. It's it's consultants because they are they are doing a more consultative kind of role. And fascinating to hear so many salespeople saying, I'm not a salesperson, but actually they are, they're representing a business and they are selling a product, but they don't want to be called a salesperson. They don't want to be seen as being pushy. Whereas actually, I was always really proud to be a salesperson and to represent the organizations that I worked with and to sell the medications that I sold because they were super, super products and they they made a difference. And, And so, yeah. Do I like being pushy? Well, I don't think of it as being pushy. I, I think of it as helping people come towards, come towards helping people making a decision. Okay, now that decision might be a yes or a no. And that's fine because then I know where, where I stand. So it, again, it, it's about what's the meaning that we're making of certain actions and behaviors and the, and the beliefs that we have. And the reality is that a lot of a lot of consultants and other salespeople outside our industry have a lot of limiting beliefs around their ability to sell. The other thing is genuinely people just forget. Okay, they they are so busy focusing on next and the other new leads that are coming in that they forget the ones that perhaps they've been working on. And the reality is that a lot of people expect prospects, be it client or candidate, if they sent out an email, if they've left, left a voicemail, if they've sent a text, they expect that person to respond. And when they don't respond, they also make that mean something. And it could literally be the fact that they spotted that message when they were sat in a meeting, but then five hours later, they get out of that meeting and they don't necessarily go back and look at anything that's not let's say dark and bold because that doesn't stand out anymore does it it's been opened so they don't necessarily remember to respond but it certainly does not mean that they are rejecting somebody but that's the meaning that so many people make of no response let's say the reality is that a lot of salespeople are not trained to follow up people i know certainly from let's say the pharmaceutical industry that 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 i came from denise came from we were targeted on on following people up so it was it was just part of the process and and we had we had plenty of marketing resources as well to use to generate different kind of like follow up opportunities as well so so i am that's why i'm also passionate about there's a big big role for marketing within this whole sales follow up process and the other reason could be that going back to resources that resources not made available to consultants to support them doing the follow up so these obviously these two are really intertwined entwined entwined so so there's lots of things that can hold people back from following up. Now, we know that there's a huge opportunity here in follow-up, a huge opportunity to increase conversions and your revenue and your bottom line just in follow-up without generating hundreds of extra leads. What's, What's involved in it? Well, first of all, you absolutely need to have people's commitment to follow up. And I, and I think sharing some of that data 
around what is lost when we don't, but what can be gained when we do can make a big difference to a company's commitment to, to a, a follow-up process. People have to be held to account as well. And, and so there's got to be, I guess, a culture in the business where follow-up is embedded into the process and people don't just think it's about moving on to the next just because somebody's said no once or, or maybe twice. Here we go. Have an unreasonable attitude. And what, what do I mean by this? What, what I want to convey here is an absolute firm, rock solid belief in be it the product, the service, the company. So I know that, well, if I just go back to, let's say, my, my corporate days, there was one there was one particular product that I sold. And I, I remember at the time not, not feeling that I quite had the, didn't have quite the same energy. And I certainly didn't seem to have as engaging and as long conversations about this particular product. And, and I, I knew why. I knew why. When you invest in, in stocks and shares, you accept that there are risks. Okay, when you take medication, you accept that there are risks. And some of those risks are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly rare if they're a more of a severe reaction, let's say. And there's very common things that we all, you know, a lot of people will take medications and they put up with some of the side effects. I just happened to come across a doctor that had like a one in 20 million chance of having a patient experience this incredibly rare side effect. And but listening to that doctor talk about that patient, obviously it had an impact. And I knew that that influenced my, I guess, my commitment in a way. And I knew actually I, I had to come out and leave that company in the end because I knew it, that was never going to change. So but when I then kind of like moved, I guess I we kind of like make a little bit of a light thing about it. I was the number one Viagra sales rep in, in the UK and and, and I've sold in psychiatry as well. And seeing the profound impact that medications have in both those very, very diverse conditions. Yeah, absolutely massive. So life changing for, for people. And I had absolutely I was so passionate about those conditions and those products and the difference that they could make to patients lives and and couples' lives. And I think you've got to have passion and belief in the company that you're representing and in, in the service that you are selling. And, and I think what certainly Denise and I experience is with Circle members is you guys are so passionate about your business, your niche, and what you do. And that needs to, where you've got team members, and that needs to kind of like, I guess, come through your team members as well. And so Whenever people are saying no, where you can get consultants to have that belief in themselves and to have that level of commitment to the company and the services, then they can then get their heads around the fact that actually they're not saying no to you and your to you personally. They're not saying no to the products because if you just keep going, we know the research says the more points of contact, the greater the opportunity you get to convert. And so it's just about you keeping going because people just are not quite ready. And it's a no doesn't mean a no forever. So, so it is absolutely having that embedded passion and belief in what you're selling. And if you've got that, it's very, very easy to, to, to handle most objections, if not any objection that, that people come up with. And, and I think the other thing that makes a massive difference is to have creative ways of following up. And again, this is kind of like where marketing, where you guys can really play a huge, huge part in supporting your consultant teams. So what does it look like? Well, there are obviously some really simple things that we can do and we can email and we can email more than once and not just stop after that first email. We can pick up the phone and we can do that more than once and we can leave messages and we can follow messages up. So we can do some of the core easy things that we're familiar with doing. We can pick up that phone and start doing some social chat we can use Messenger, we can use WhatsApp, 
We can use LinkedIn messages and we can start building more of that into the way that we communicate with people. And there are a whole range of different kinds of items that we can use, low value to slightly higher value. These are, these are some of the things that we use. So there's some cars that we will use in the follow-up process, when we, certainly when we're welcoming somebody, when they first join the circle, they will get a card then. They might get a pad and a pen or a mug. We will use those at separate times through the follow-up process. And the old brochure, I know we've talked about this before, but you know, hard copy marketing collateral, not many people use it today. And so it's different. And when that lands on your doorstep or on your desk, even, should I say, and I just realized I've not inserted a photograph here that I took, which on, on Tuesday, we sent out a, a whole stack of silver bubble envelopes with our brochure in as part of our platinum campaign. And I took a photograph of that, but never mind. So you can drip feed in these different items throughout a whole follow-up campaign. And something that I've been testing recently, weaving into the follow-up process, is sending video. Okay. Now, Looking at you, you've been using some software called Preview Me that you've heard us probably talk about. You might have heard Rachel Padrithi's talk about it on a QA call. And you don't need to do that. If you've got Hinterview, fantastic, use Hinterview. You might have Audro. You could use something as simple as Loom, or do you know what? You don't have to use any software. You could literally record a quick 10 second, 15 second, really snappy short video on your phone just to say, Hey, Gerard, I've just popped something in the post for you. Look out for a silver envelope. Thanks, Sharon. Literally, like 10 seconds, that will, that will get sent very quickly through Messenger or WhatsApp. And, and it will flag with that person. Oh, right. Oh, I need to look out for that. And so you could do that before, you could do that after. And it, hey, Gerard, just wondering if that silver envelope's arrived and if you have a chance to, to have a look at what's inside. Talk to you soon bang, send that off. Doesn't have to take long. So if you've got software, use it as part of your follow-up process. Don't just use Audro and Hinterview for, for actual interview things. So lots of ideas. So here then is, this is just an example. Okay. So please don't feel that you have to follow this literally. You might well have a version of, of this, you might have something called ready. It might need updating. It was interesting how I, I did update some elements of this because of social chat, because we're using video more now, perhaps in, in, in the follow-up process than we did even a couple of years ago. So, so let me just chat through this then. So let's say day zero is we're having a conversation with somebody or we, we're exchanging some emails. And so if anybody has ever watched or followed Grant Cardone, he's an American sales guy. I, he's just like off the scale in terms of, I guess, sales. But he, he's trained, crikey, tens of thousands of people in, in sales, a massive, massive advocate of, of phone sales as well. But, you know, he's, he's got some great research that, that he's done with his organization over the last sort of, 20 years. And, and something that he's a big advocate of is texting people straight away after that sort of first call or meeting. Even if it's just to say, hi, Paul, great to meet today. Speak soon. Just short and sweet. So you, you, can, even, you can even do that. So day after you've had that first conversation, that call, drop them an email. So if, if it was an email exchange, maybe give them a call. If it was a call, drop them an email. Okay. If you are not connected to this individual on LinkedIn, go and connect with them. Okay. Day three, you might then drop them a little short video. This is something I did a couple of days ago with, with someone we'd had, we'd, we'd started with a LinkedIn exchange that had then gone to email. So I then dropped a, a video. You might then just drop them a piece of value-added content. That might be something that 
relates to something that was in the original conversation that you think, I remember when we spoke, we talked about X, thought you might be interested in, drop them a link to one of your blogs, to one of the reports. You don't have to get people to opt into the report. If you've got their email address, you don't need that. Just send them a download link, let them have a look. So you can see here, if we move through the first five days, we are doing a soft touch point every day for the first few days. Okay. Day 10. Now, I popped in here, it might be an invitation. Some companies will do training. It might be an, an event. If there is an exhibition that you're going to and the timing works, you can drop people an invite to come and visit your stand. Some of you will, will, I know, will do, let's say, an exhibition at university on a recruitment drive. Again, the timing of this will obviously depend, which is why I say have your own process. But there are those kind of events that you can build into a process when it's appropriate. We want to get on the phone. It's been a good few days since we spoke. So we want to pop a phone call back in, check, have they got the value-added content? Did they get a chance to read it? What thoughts have they had since, since you last met? Where are things at now? Things change very quickly in organizations. You might then decide three weeks in to drop this person. It might be a lower value item. So it might be, it might be a card. Actually, I put a handwritten note, day 30. So here you might be sending people just a summary of your services if you've got that hard copy. So you can send that. Day 30, drop them a handwritten card. And, and I think the thing here is by, by day 30, you've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, potentially 10 points of contact. Okay. Now, you might not have had them on the end of a phone on day 14, but you can certainly follow up with a text message that I've not gotten here to say, look, hi, Laura. I've just left you. I've just left you a voicemail. Be good to talk. When when would be a good time to talk? So you're flagging to them to go and listen to that voicemail, and you're also asking when when might be a good time to talk. So it's it is actually a lot easier to get these points of contact in than than sometimes we think. And and if that means that in the day somebody is blocking off specific time in their calendar for follow up on past people. And it might be that they can do a search in the CRM system of who were new contacts over the last week and they can follow them up and they get into that process. It's all about having a system and everything. So we, we are just going to keep going. And my point here was that there are very few people who will follow up to this degree in the first three weeks. So few. And the fact that you and your team do it will make you stand out. OK, and it's not like you are sticking to the same thing. It's not like you're leaving 20 voicemails on somebody's phone, which might actually get a tad annoying for somebody. You might actually think, wow, this person's persistent. I really need to talk to them. I could do with someone like that on my team. People make different meanings of different things. Yeah. So they don't all receive it as being pushy. But I think using multiple different mediums and ways of contacting people and just dropping those reminders demonstrates creativity, persistence, and, and a huge amount of professionalism as well. So we can keep going here. And day 40, an apology call. What's an apology call? An apology call might be something along the, on the, along the lines of, hi, Paul, we've been talking for a good few weeks now, and I, I must apologize because... You know, Maybe there's something that I'm not communicating, not, not understanding about your business and, and what you need, because I know that so far you, you haven't said yes to working with us. And, and I just want to just check, is, is there something that I've not identified? Something along those lines. Okay, so you're owning the responsibility for, hey, you've not said yes yet. And I want to make sure that it's not something that I'm doing that just checking that there's no need in the business. Day 50 could be a special offer. Now, what do you mean by a special offer? A special offer could be the fact that you offer to go on site, meet with a prospective client, and maybe you offer to review their recruitment process. Okay, because you know from the conversations that you've had with them that they are quite slow in their process 
and they are missing out on on top talent and that is proving to be a challenge for them and so they haven't signed up with you yet but maybe what you do in order to demonstrate the quality of service that you can offer and how you can help them that you go in and you do an audit okay maybe Maybe there's like a paper version of an audit that gives you a starting point and then you go in and you do you offer complimentary consultancy session. You take the the paper audit and you offer to meet face to face. Maybe you do it as a Zoom. You go through that audit and you give them an hour's complimentary consultancy advice on their process. And again, it's just demonstrating it's adding massive value. You might then on the back of that, secure a face-to-face conversation. Go and visit them on site. If they say, well, actually, it, it sounds like you, you got a really good idea here. You mentioned some things that we've not been doing, could do differently. And you say, well, look, let me come on site. Let me, let me come and see the company, get a feel for the culture, because then I'll, I'll have a better opportunity to represent the business with what we're proposing as a new process if I can come meet you and experience the culture, blah, blah, blah. So lots of different ways of, of doing this. Send a photo. Now, this, this could be, let, let's say you're still getting no's here. And this could be you with another card, let's say, and you take a photograph of yourself and you just let them know that, hey, look out for this. This is on its way. It could be simple as just so you don't forget who I am, just that I drop, my, drop you a quick photo. It could just be something fun, lighthearted. Day 90, managers call. What's that? Well, this is where, obviously, for people who've got teams, this is where, so let's say you are three months in, you've had multiple points of contact, and somebody's still saying no. And it might be where you as a manager, you you phone that prospective client or you chat to that candidate and say, look, I know that you've been having conversations, tic-tacking with Jamie for some time now. And up to now, you've not decided to come and work with us or have us represent you and, and do your recruiting. And I just want to check if there's anything that any feedback you'd like to give? Is, is, is it something that Jamie's not, not doing that actually we, we're not aware of because we'd like to put that right if that's the case? And it, it's it's not implying that Jamie's doing anything wrong. It's, it's almost like a customer service call that, look, is there anything that we could do differently that would make you sort of say yes? And just the fact that somebody more senior is taking an interest in them is, is really interesting. And when Andy was working with us, which he's it's about a year, I think, since Andy left, but when he was with us, he and I kind of like did a bit of a double act. So there were people that he would obviously be working on following up. And, and then we'd get them so far and, and I would do that manager's call. And, and just, just to kind of like, I guess, touch, touch base with people. And also because, I guess, because of me being the MD, I was able to have sometimes a slightly different kind of conversation. And my my knowledge was at a different level as well. I could have a broader conversation perhaps as well as a deeper conversation. And and interestingly, we never got a negative response to that. And we, we were often able to convert people on the back of it as well. So there's a lot of value in doing that. Send another gift. This could be a branded item here. Jump back onto LinkedIn. Now, we're not saying wait 110 days until you send another LinkedIn message because a text could be a LinkedIn message. You can be doing other things in between here. I'm just giving you an idea. Okay. So rather than taking me so literally, you're 120 days in. Maybe you drop them an email update, maybe about what's been happening for you guys, what you've been seeing in the market, et cetera, et cetera. You might then send a video testimonial. There is nothing to stop you doing this early in the process, by the way. I'm just, I was just thinking about what are the things that I haven't yet used that you can use. And then you're six months in, and this is just like another soft reminder. So you can see that we're spreading. So we're leaving it a month here and another month here. Points of contact are shorter, very quick here. Then they stretch out more here. And then we stretch out more and more as, as we're going through sort of like the six month process. So actually, let me just quickly go back. So before before I summarize, what questions might people have about 
about that process or anything I've said. We're almost at the end as well. And so if you pop any questions in chat, what was his name? Andy, sorry, I've only just seen your little question there from 10 minutes ago. When you say, what was his name? Who who was I referring to? What does what what was his name refer to? Was it Grant Cardone? Was that the sales guy? Did I men- I might have mentioned, well, I did mention him, but I might not have mentioned his name. So Grant Cardone was the American sales guy, if that was what you're asking. So I will just pop that in the chat as well. So any other questions? No. What I will do then is I will just summarize and just look at what are the key points here. So remember then, 79% of all leads never convert. And that is because they're not nurtured, they're not followed up. Okay, so there's a huge opportunity here. And that's what I think is so exciting about this. People are not following up because in many instances, they're not trained to do so. They don't know what to do. And I guess their their thoughts are quite limited around the activities. It might be phone, email, chat. And they might just think that they just rotate around those three things. There's so many other things that they could do. Resources are not made available to support them in doing it. So this is where we can we can broaden the different things that, that they can be doing and implementing. And this is this is where you guys have got a fabulous opportunity to help people. And when when you have conversations with your sales team, when you know, when because there, there are independent people who are listening to this, you know, when when you look at some of those stats. And you consider maybe what might hold you back at times and think about how do you shift the meaning that you are making certain things, shift your mindset, shift the meaning that you're making of them and do some different things, focus on the follow-up, have a process there, one that is manageable for you, then just consider what is possible when you think about what I've shared with you around the stats of when when we have limiting beliefs and what doesn't happen when we don't follow up versus what's possible when we get to the fourth, fifth and beyond kind of like follow up and how our potential to convert increases. And if we get involved in social selling, look at the difference that it can make to the size of the deal as well. So action point then for everybody would be to go and have a look at this fantastic follow-up process on the previous slide and look at, maybe just ask the question, marketeers on the call, go, go back to the business, pause the question, what do we do to follow up somebody after that very, very first call? And how long do we keep following that person up? And just think, well, what more can you do to support the consultants? And if it's if it's you, and it's just a small team yourself, your business partner, then again, what can you do that's manageable? And, and I'm sure if you look at your CRM system, I am pretty sure that even if you, on the back of the Reignite campaign, that you then had a follow-up process for warming people up, rather than you, you can absolutely put them into the nurture campaign, of course, but what else can you be building into that process to, to bring that person back into the fold and actively working with you. So lots to do. I think the other question is not just lots. There is lots to do. Yes, there is lots to do. There's always lots to do. But, you know, what, what have you got and what can you do with what you have got resource-wise right now? Okay, so pose yourself that question map something out and then you don't have to wait until you've got pens or pads or cards start now with what you've got and then you can you can gradually add things in to that process so even if all you had was email chat across different platforms if you've got video brilliant everybody's got a phone they can take a video and do that and phone If you rotated around those four to start with, there's lots that you can do. If you're really honest with ourselves, 
we probably all underutilize those basic kind of like resources that we have. So I hope that has been helpful. American, American sales fellow. Yeah. I think if you, if you just go and Google Grant Cardone, Andy, you'll, you'll find lots of stuff. Go onto YouTube. He's got loads of videos and things on there as well. So, so yeah, go, go check him out. So if there aren't any questions, my last slide really is for those who want any references. So Gartner, Zendesk, both fabulous resources for sales stats. They will obviously refer to other research links as well. And I, I got some research from a company called InvestPro as well. So, but there's loads of the resources as well. Just go and Google sales stats and yeah, have a drink, alcoholic or non, and while away a few evenings, certainly. So I hope that's been super helpful. And Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Have a fantastic rest of the day and look forward to seeing everybody on calls next week. Have a super weekend. Bye for now. If you enjoy this podcast and this year you are ready to take your marketing to the next level, then check out Superfast Circle. This is a unique marketing program designed specifically for recruiters and their marketeers. You get access to two virtual marketing directors, you get consultancy, you get your hand held through the whole process, training, consulting, and we provide content resources. So go over to superfastrecruitment.co.uk forward slash join and check out what's available.